Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 4, The Big Learn. This is the second turning point I want to tell you about. The first was my conversion. This turning point was educational. If the first was finding my faith, this turning point is about finding my ambition to learn the Word of God and become a theologian. If the first was about wanting to be saved from sin, this one is about being saved from ignorance. Not so much the salvation of my soul as the renewal of my brain. The start of a lifelong project to love God with all my mind. Conscious Christianity for me kicked off at the age of 12. After confirmation, the age of 13 felt like a low level ticking along. The Emmanuel Youth Group fizzled out after a bust up between the leaders and the vicar. I was reading my Bible and saying my prayers, but not really getting anywhere as a Christian. And then at 14, things ticked up a bit. The vicar's sons who draw me into the church now pulled me on to the next step. They introduced me to the Sunday afternoon Crusader Boys Bible class. I took to the group Bible study like a duck to water, talking over a passage of the Bible and trying to agree the key point came naturally enough to me. And I really liked the other boys, who were quite different from the people I knew. Crusaders was in the more middle-class area of Presswich, several miles away from my home, and the boys went to better schools than anyone I knew. They talked about things I'd never really heard about, certainly not heard boys talking about, such as A-levels and university. And I rather liked this new world. And that was before I'd even been to their church and met the girls. The boys were older than me and I looked up to them. The girls were younger and I wanted to go out with them. They teased me about my Manchester accent and Doc Martin boots, which they thought were amusingly common. But I liked them and I wanted to fit in. This was in the early summer of 1978. I had the long school summer holiday after that. My grandma had recently died and for the first time I spent the long holiday on my own at home with plenty of time to think. And what I kept coming back to was that I wanted to be a bit more like the young people I met at Crusaders more than the people around me at school. I wasn't doing very well at South Chanderton Comprehensive School and neither were many of the other kids around me. It didn't take me long to work out that if I wanted friends like the Crusaders, then I needed to raise my game at school. So when I went back to school in September 1978 for the start of the exam years, having chosen the subjects for what we called O-levels. I was a much more serious young man. I worked hard 
and found that I actually enjoyed learning. The class clown is now the school SWAT, was what teachers and pupils alike said about me. At the end of that school year, I came top in every subject, having never really shone in exams before. I can't help wondering whether some of my teachers found the new me harder to have around than the boy who went with the flow and messed around like everybody else. There was tension with my religious studies teacher, Arthur Griffiths, from the start of the year. He was brighter than most teachers at that school. As a graduate, he would have been one of a minority in the school staff room. Having a good theology degree from Manchester University, he knew his stuff. So you might think we would get on well together. The problem was he was an ex-evangelical Christian who knew everything against what for me was something I was in the full joy of discovering. My faith was taking off. His was long past. He was always telling me why I took the Bible too literally. I was always telling him how he'd lost his way. It was a lively classroom. There were just four pupils in the group studying Mark's Gospel. But each lesson never took long to settle down into the familiar pattern of an argument between him and me. It was a clash of two strong personalities. It was a clash of two worldviews and two ways of life. In November 1978, on a Tuesday afternoon, there was a particular battle that changed my life. Studying the miracles of Mark's Gospel, I went for the line, for Jesus to heal the sick and cast out the demons proved he's the unique Son of God and that in turn proves that Christianity is true. Mr Griffiths argued that Mark was no eyewitness and what he writes proves nothing. He was particularly persistent and added in for good measure that we're lucky to live in an age of the National Health Service rather than the deaf and dumb who met Jesus. And good people trying to do something for the sick today have rarely got anything to do with religion. I felt crushed and beleaguered as I walked away from that classroom. I felt I'd let God down by not knowing enough to answer back properly. So with tears in my eyes, I stumbled out of the classroom into the corridor, over to the boys' coat hangers, and I made there, on the spot, one of the most important decisions of my life. I decided, there and then, that I was going to study theology at university. I would make sure that I knew what I was talking about, and would be able to argue for God based on real knowledge. Now bearing in mind that only one other boy at my school in my year of 200 children actually went to university and at this point I'd never done well enough in a school exam 
or even received a half-decent school report, that was quite a commitment. Looking back at what was going on, I think there was a genuine desire to learn and to know more. I'd worked out that education was valuable for its own sake, regardless of its utilitarian purpose. But yes, I wanted the payoff of improving my ability to argue. There was a bloody-mindedness of, I'll show them, I'll prove them wrong, and I'll prove God right. There was perhaps a bit of feeling that this would go down well with my crusader friends. But I also think there was something about finding my calling, discovering my ambition. Because in the beginning, that's all it was. A determination, a decision, an ambition. I don't think anybody would have looked at this at the time and said that was a credible career decision. I often imagine my mother talking to my Uncle Harry about this. And the conversation might have gone something like this. You'll never guess what David's on about now. He wants to go to university. University? What for? He wants to study theology. You what? You know, religion and the Bible and all that. Oh, don't worry, he'll grow out of it soon enough. Nobody at my school or in my family would have expected me to go anywhere near a university. In just under four years, after that decision, in the school corridor, prompted by that blazing row with Arthur Griffiths, I walked into the elegant Georgian house of the Durham University Theology Department in the Cathedral Square, as a student. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. But if you'd met me during those years of studying for external examinations at 16 and 18, what I think would have struck you about me was a blazing sense of purpose. I was obsessed with going to university to study theology. It was an educational, spiritual, vocational identity thing that defined my life. Nothing would stop me. If you'd put a brick wall in my way, I would have unpicked the mortar, removed the bricks and walked through. One of the most concerted centres of resistance came from my church elders, who thought I was going to lose my faith. They could see I had a dangerous curiosity and read too widely. And what they saw as a suicidal willingness to place myself in the firing line of godless liberal unbelief. They were not supportive. My wonderful A-level religious studies teacher, Alistair Finran, was encouraging as he guided me through John's Gospel and Judaism on my way to university. I remember sitting in a college bar on my first night at Durham University. Everyone else was crying into their beer because they really wanted to be sat in a college bar but not there. 
try Oxford or Cambridge. I was bursting with joy. I was annoyingly excited to study theology at the university of my choice. Part of what attracted me there was the traditional course orientated to Bible and early church history, sometimes called Eden to Chalcedon. Without having studied any languages since the age of 14, I elected to learn not just New Testament Greek, but Old Testament Hebrew. I wasn't so tactless as to attack students of other subjects, but I genuinely couldn't understand why anybody would go to university and waste the time studying anything other than the Word of God. I spent nearly all of my disposable income on theological textbooks. And I spent the long summer holidays, well, you guessed it, the first summer I went to Israel for three months, and the second following St Paul's missionary journeys around Turkey. My 21st birthday present came to me in the Christmas vacation of my final year after I spent the evening cycling seven miles from Oldham to the Jewish area of Broughton Park to buy the hardback Hebrew dictionary Brown Driver Briggs. The day after my final exam, my friends went off to the beach. I stayed back to read a theological textbook I'd not had time to read whilst revising for my exams because I knew the precious time at Durham was running out. So what do you think I did next? I had quite significant responsibility in Christian leadership at university in the Christian Union and if you'd met me as a student you might have expected me to go on and train as a vicar which is what a lot of my peers did. But no, my home church was from a tradition where we looked down on paid clergy as hired hands. For me, paid Christian work was the easy cop-out. So three years studying theology at Durham was followed by three years in London training to be a manager in Lloyds Bank. Slowly, it sank in that this was not the best use of the theological education which meant so much to me. By now I was in the Church of England and the pull to ordained ministry was slowly growing. One of the attractions was the chance to go back into the university environment and study more theology as part of clergy training. So two years in my mid-twenties at Wycliffe Hall, Oxford. Once again, I absolutely loved it. Great lectures in the university and in the college. Lively seminars, great friends. It was an incredible privilege. I had an academic theological education with much more rigour than many clergy get today. And I had the time to read and chew it over. So I've spent five years of my life studying theology at university. And I've been reading round the subject ever since. Theology was hard won for me. 
So I've never had any time for the middle-class notion that it's not cool to be a serious student. So some of you might find me a prig or a swat. I'm grateful for my education and I don't want to waste it. There are many contemporary clergy who've had to make do with a couple of years at night school. Some of them would die for an education like mine. Some of them don't care because they're not interested. They would think this sounds elitist or overly theoretical a distraction from getting on with the real gospel kingdom work. I grew up in a part of the church where the minister was seen primarily as a teacher of faith and where you wouldn't get very far without a thorough grounding in the whole Bible. I remember once going into the study of our local vicar. He was a likeable chap, but his sermons were a bit basic. On one occasion I remember nodding off during the third time he preached the same particular sermon, wondering if his theology came from the Ladybird Book of Christianity. And when I saw his bookshelves in his study, it all became depressingly clear. He didn't have any biblical commentaries or serious theological books. He'd not studied theology at university level. He neither had the tools of the trade nor the skills to do the job properly. And even if the right books, books magically dropped into his study, no one had ever trained him in how to use them. I felt sorry for him. The Christian leaders who've inspired me, they're not intellectual show-offs, but they clearly have the benefit of real deep learning. Of course, theology is not the only thing you need to have something to say about Christianity that's worth listening to. You need imagination, you need experience, you need love, you need humanity and humour and humility. But in my opinion, theology counts for something. And if you listen to these podcasts, you're going to get quite a bit of theology. A lot of the commentary about church decline today is from sociology. There's often insight in that, but I often think theology is neglected. I'm going to crack open the big beliefs of Christianity and see how well they work, whether they take us backwards or forwards. And of course I'm always right, no I'm not. But I won't shy away from the issues, and I'm not scared of a good argument. So back to that blazing row with Mr Griffiths at the start of Religious Studies O-Level. Who was right? Was he right or was I? I suppose the truth is, he was right and I had a lot to learn. But I'm so grateful to him for provoking me, putting my stubbornness to good use, pushing me into learning for myself. When you opened your mind to God, you never know where it's going to lead you. And if you listen to these podcasts, I'm going to push you into places you might not have thought of.
I'd like to finish with a list of names in tribute. These people were my teachers. From Oldham, Arthur Griffiths and Alistair Finram. From Durham, James Dunn, Anne Lodes, John McHugh, George Dragash, Gerald Bonner, Bob Haywood, David Jasper, Stephen Sykes and Sheridan Gilly. And then lastly from Oxford, Alistair McGrath, David Wenham, Gordon McConville, Godfrey Stone, Vera Sinton, Gerald Hegarty, Roger Beckwith, Dick France, Kenneth Cragg, Graham Tomlin, Tom Wright, Oliver O'Donovan, Nigel Bigger, Ed Sanders. If you like these podcasts, please thank these wonderful teachers of theology. If not, my name is Revel. Thank you for listening to episode four. Please join me next week as I continue to introduce myself, taking you over the hill to the exit from active ordained ministry.